This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, an unofficial podcast for Leader Games Root. Episode 165, Learning the Lizards, Cult, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Music by Brian Capillis. I like that it's the lizard's cult, <laughs> not the lizard cult. It that is was, the lizard. I that mean, that is what it is. It's the lizard's, the lizard's cult, like right. possessive. The, the, the cult, cult is not worshiping a lizard, right? They're, it's right. the lizard's cult. We don't really know what they're worshiping. They just do what yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a kind of death cult to me, but it is interesting that they probably don't worship a lizard, you know, or any kind of reptilian. <laughs> well, if it's I a mean, cult, all... if it's a cult, there probably is one lizard leader, right? It could be, could be, or or they might all be equals. We don't have really have an indication that there's like a, a cult leader for the lizard cult. Did you watch that Nixium documentary? No, no I don't even know. I don't know what watch, that is. You gotta watch. It's on HBO. And I'm just, I'm assuming the lizard cult is very similar to Nixium. What is Nixium? Well, it's just all about bettering yourself in like really generic, like business terms, you know, like just Mm -hmm. like, like, okay, the lizards show up to town and they, they go to like the local, you know, JB Hunt office and are like, we're going to teach you all how to succeed (laughs) and success just so happens to be like, living with the you know the you know what this bit you need to come live at our compound you have to come live at our compound and you know this guy loves volleyball and so that's the thing that's the thing is volleyball it's a volleyball i think i get it yeah i maybe get it i maybe get it maybe get it um do we usually this is also where we normally talk about hey i'm glad to have that music back that delicious brian capillas oh yeah yeah yeah. that that it's been a long time hunter since we talked about root like a long time it feels like yeah, that wasn't on purpose. It just we had to get all of the base game stuff done. Yeah. We literally uh, barely made it. <laughs> yeah, we got our break yeah. done just before like everything started getting revealed. Actually, though, before I forget, I should talk about um, oh, it, a little bit of TI talk we at have the business. top. <laughs> yeah, sure. I just have some something I have to say. Um, so I over the weekend I participated in a uh, international Twilight Imperium tournament for charity. It was for Doctors Without Borders, and uh, I got in some some hot water because <laughs> I got well, king made. We are banned from tournaments as players. Yeah, I don't want to do them. Any- we, we shouldn't do them anymore um, because we're, I don't know, we're just like we're too t- controversial. Our presence is toxic. I don't, we're, I'm definitely yeah. toxic. I don't know that you're toxic. You might be toxic, but us being in the tournament is definitely toxic. I don't think I'm toxic, but I don't like realizing that I, I, I don't know. I don't like the hate, the, the seeing the, I know the haters are out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, I know they're out there them. and they, and they, their hate for me is like a prayer <laughs> that powers my soul. Um, but I don't like, I don't like feeling the sense of like, all oh, my haters are really having a day with this one. You know what I mean? Like, I like just like the normal week to week 
you know, haterism. Yeah. The pedantic but if I stuff do something where I'm like, you know, I can see why the haters might have a big day with this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what I feel about this tournament game uh, where I was king made. Let me give you some of the details, though, if you don't know. What happened was the way this, this tournament worked was like it was a series of six games and each player was representing a region of the world and they were all on a team together so like six six players representing you know the united states and they each played in a different game and their their point totals kind kind of accumulated well the united states wasn't doing very good and so and i'm not trying to throw this guy under the bus but i do have to implicate him as well <laughs> the europe player imson came up with this scheme to essentially help me end the game as fast as possible and for him to also get as many points as possible it didn't work out that good yeah okay yeah. like we didn't actually succeed in our i mean we blocked we blocked a few points sure uh but not not that many can i can i add my notes yeah. to this as someone who watched and commentated for a little bit uh part of the reason the plan didn't work is I think Hunter got real big for his britches knowing he had it a protected back door and made some gambles I've never seen Hunter make before, which was fun. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of it, honestly, was just watching Hunter kind of like, you know what? Let's swing for the fences on this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the other side of it being, obviously, the other players more or less caught on pretty quickly that like there was something amiss and and had to react intensely. And so an intense reaction in game does mean you're going to get set back quite a bit. Right. So, yeah, th things right. went it, awry. It kind of all led up to this moment where I needed to get to to 9 points so that I could get support for the throne for the last point. And <laughs> and and the way that I did that was I just kept saying that I could only get to 9. Uh-huh. And and I think that lie, that particular tone for the lie maybe made people m more frustrated because right. i basically had no shot to to finish our scheme unless they just let me do it right and so, so i they also king made you but they didn't quite realize they were complicit right the extent to which they were complicit right and and i just want to say to anybody that was in that game that's listening like i am sorry to have uh I know it, that it is frustrating to be that person. And, and it is not, I, I have a sympathy for how you would feel and how that would make you feel. Now, that being said on the same, <laughs> on the same side of it, did it make for good TV? I don't know. I'm getting other, I'm getting like, I'm getting another some people vibe. say yes. Some people say no, which is why I think my compromise here and my haters are going to love this. And haters, listen up. <laughs> My compromise here is that I did it. We also we we because of because of how dumb I was doing. You came up with like a a gimmick yeah. to like motivate me to score points uh, in that we would uh, donate more money to Doctors Without Borders based off how many points I scored. Which but I, at the same which time, I made that deal with the with the stream and with you, and I got you in on it. When you were at like three points and getting dunked on. So I'm actually, yeah. I, I genuinely am surprised you got even to eight points, let alone like kind of being handed the ninth and then obviously the 10th. 
but right. I, I was expecting you get, to get to five or six tops by, yeah. the, by, by the time I chimed in. It was not going well when no. you brought up this, uh, <laughs> this, I, this part of it. But I felt like because you brought that up, it, it, gave, it motivated me to finish, uh, to finish as, as well as I could. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm, I, I am, I'm sorry that it, that it hurt people's feelings. I'm not sorry about donating the money and I'm not even really sorry about doing the it. like way the, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super sorry about doing it. Um, I just wish that maybe I had taken more care to like, to just let people know, like what, what we're doing is right. completely bonkers. We're goofing off. This is a good, it was go- a goofy we- tournament with a goofy rule structure. But see, and I don't, not everybody it, was on I, that I same page. See, I don't know that that's true though. I think, right. I think my, what happened was in my head, I was like, this is a goofy tournament for fun. Yeah. And then when I got in the game, well, and, and Imsen shows up with like the most fun thing. So you're like, I'm being right. reinforced right now. Right, Someone's right. telling me we're here for chuckles. But if I had listened to the rest of the table, right. the other four players, what I would have, what I really would have gotten from them was that this is not like, this is like a big, this is like a serious tournament game. Yeah. And for that reason, I am retiring from tournaments. <laughs> Unless so haters laughs. Yeah. Haters, <laughs> drink your haterade and, and enjoy. I, I am a, ret- I am retired. Yeah. I think that's good. And for Matt both is of us. too. Oh, I'm. Su- Matt, I, Matt I've quit. been retired. Uh, it, we yeah. didn't have an. I didn't have an announcement, but we're. Yeah, we are not competing. It's, in it's our compromise. If you don't. If you don't like what we did, I totally get it. But you'll never. It will never happen again because we're yeah. not going we to do that ever yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's, so there you go. That's let's the compromise. get to some some root content. That's what you're here for. Uh, so today is a weird one because uh, we got the lizard cult, like we said, and. The lizard cult, it's really funny that we're doing this like right off the back of um, the Arborek guide because the Arborex episode was very much like, hey, they're not a very good faction and right. too bad. And we got some heat for that. We got some people that don't that disagree and that's fine. We can disagree. You can think they're better than we do. Um, what's hilarious about the lizard cult is in the pre errata. I want to point to a specific moment that happened, which was I said they're bad. In the pre-erotic chat, we were having a long conversation. I said, the lizard mm-hmm. cult are bad. And someone was like, hey, wait a second. They're not bad. They're just the worst faction. <laughs> <laughs> so to be, to, I want to make it explicitly clear. That's the conversation we're having today. Okay. So maybe they're, they're not bad. Maybe they're the we worst have to redefine bad. And I won't call them bad. But I will call them the worst faction and not feel bad about it. Okay? okay. So this is this is how to learn how to play the worst faction in root. Um, yeah. Now on the flip side of that, I can also confirm for the class one of the most fun factions to play. Even, yeah. even oh, if, for if you sure. accept if you accept your you that your chances of winning are kind of a dice roll. I, there's a lot of luck to this faction, but that luck factor makes them wicked super fun, and I and I will pick them often and i get why they are so much like arborek in that way yes they're yeah. they are not um you know and and maybe maybe that's the way to phrase it with arborek too it's that they're not bad right playing them doesn't feel bad no it's just that compared to ever if you stack them up against everybody else and they're just 
They're worse. The worst. Yeah. <laughs> like there was going to be a worse. There, right. has to be gotta, a worse. there has to be a worse one. And that's they don't, fine. They don't all have the exact same abilities. Right. Like, so th- there has to be a worse. Exactly. And, uh, and I, yeah, I definitely think it is the lizards. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about what the lizards, um, have here. Um, for abilities, just the, the, the top of the line abilities are, uh, revenge, your removed defending warriors become acolytes. This is an ability that is kind of tricky to work around, honestly. It's it's good. It's I mean, it's hard to say this is like a good or bad ability. Most root abilities aren't um like TI abilities where it's like it's a Wait, boon hey, of some kind. What's it's, an acolyte? Well, yeah, I don't know. We'll what get that is, there. Matt. We'll get there. But but my point in saying and, and that's to, to Hunter's point basically is Root abilities aren't necessarily like boons or or takeaways. They're just like, hey, t- we need these rules to be in place for this thing to function. So yeah. um, the Lizard Cult have warriors out on the board. And then when they die in defense in battle, they come onto your board as acolytes. And you use your acolytes to pull off uh, conspiracies, which we'll get to later. Um, but that that is one of your economies of the game is like your reclaimed units, which is why you Can also... Can I make a connection real quick? Yeah, please. In some ways, the Acolyte system, to me, is sort of similar to the Woodland Alliance officers system. Interesting. Um, with some, some slight differences. You're sure. literally taking your warriors onto your sheet, and now you can spend those warriors to do actions. Yeah. Yeah, the difference here being when you spend your Acolytes, you literally do remove them. So you have to... It would be as if yes. you had to constantly restock officers here. So yes, instead yes, yes. of we have a supply and we tap them, when I use my uh, Acolytes, I burn them. They go away. Officers for Woodland Alliance are like a renewable resource, yeah. whereas this is like you you Fossil spend fuels. it, you spend it, and now you got to cycle them back in somehow. Uh, you also have hatred of birds. Bird cards are uh, not wild for your rituals. That's just going to be part of the function of everything. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and you have pilgrims. You rule any clearings where you have any gardens. And this is the most powerful ability in Lizard Cult's arsenal. And also the reason you're going to get trashed in the mid or late game. <laughs> because your gardens are very annoying to other players. Um, especially in newer groups. I know when we first started playing... Uh, one of our friends chris was the one who always played lizard cult he really really liked him and Mm -hmm. us as new players didn't even understand what we were competing against we didn't know how to fight against the lizards and we didn't know what was going on with them and it just felt like these gardens are everywhere and we can't stop them what the heck are we supposed to do we didn't like in our first like i'm saying like first two or three games period of of having the game at all we really struggled with like understanding how much we had to dedicate to go deal with these gardens um so that being said, like it's a fear, it's it is a resource that people can and should fear. Your gardens on the map, um, you can easily lock off the Marquise de Cat from like their own stuff. Uh, you can fend off some eerie pathways. A lot of eerie um, can can find ways around you, but the fact that they cannot build up a big enough swarm to go through you is is a big deal. I mean, you you can cut off their um, lines of attack, but that just means they'll probably stop and attack you. So. Right. Two, two-way street. Um, but let's talk about their setup as well. Uh, their setup is that they, they have 25 total warriors. It's a pretty high count. Um, but honestly, you go through them really quickly. In, in a lot of the games that I had, uh, it felt like I was always kind of brushing up against my my warrior limit because some are warriors on the map and you need a lot honestly um and and sometimes you need a lot in just totally random places like you just end up with warriors in weird spots that you're not doing anything with uh 
And then you need kind of a decent amount of acolytes as well. And then if you throw in anything like um, coffin makers, the card, or otters, where you're like sacrifice, you know, you're donating your warriors somewhere else, all of a sudden you you hit your limit very very quickly. But you have 25 warriors, uh, and you start with four warriors in a corner with uh, one matching garden and one warrior in each adjacent clearing. So the lizard cult start is one of those ones that is slightly out of sync. You're like if Cats and Eerie are in, you pick a, a corner, and if uh, there's, like, no Eerie or whatever, you go opposite of Cats, right? You are the first one to go opposite of Cats, if no Eerie. Um, and the trick with all of that is, if you get the option to pick your corner, your starting hand suddenly becomes very, very important, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and the, the other thing, too, is, well, honestly, actually, I'm going to take that back a little bit, because starting hand is important, but... I would pick any corner clearing with two or more slots uh, versus one with only one. So if, if it's a choice between a two clearing or a two slot clearing and a one slot clearing, take the two for your starting clearing because your starting clearing really needs to be your home base that you protect. So uh, the, the theme of today's episode is going to be based around what you protect and what you kind of don't, what kind of just gets to go exist out there and, and, and what that balance um means i guess yeah can i ask you a real quick question before we move on yeah as far as setup uh, i don't know if you read it exactly but is it basically just like you get whatever corner is left is that yeah basically yeah, yeah. How so if cats it? and eerie are in it uh you take uh you pick in if both play choose another corner so you pick one of the other two corners um, if cats mm-hmm. are in the game, you are forced into the opposite clearing if there's no eerie. Oh, okay. So you you are in the eerie position if there's no eerie. If there are cats and eerie, you pick. So that's that's the general idea. Okay. Cool, um, cool, cool, cool. Or, or if eerie and no cats, right? Same thing. So um, so there's a lot of games where you don't get to pick your clearing. You're just are, you're just forced where you go. So it's another random factor in your game. Get used to it, bud. <laughs> there's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of randomness. Um, so I, I want to get through like all the phases and stuff, but th- this is a hard faction to, to talk about. Um, and it, it, it's hard to know where to start. So what I really want to do is set up my thesis statement <laughs> for the lizards before we get into like how everything else plays out, because I feel like it's going to be easier to talk through birdsong and stuff. Um, if you know what our end goal is and we're going to reinforce it later, but, um, with lizard cult. The thing I have found is um, you you will almost every game runs on the same kind of course and and really, really good players learn how to challenge this natural course of a lizard game. And that's what makes them really good for starting games. I'm going to say lean into the natural course of a lizard game so that you can learn the ropes and sometimes you'll luck out with a win and sometimes you won't and that's fine you're not going to win every game that's not what we're doing right now we're learning how to even function as the lizards we're not learning how to right. always dominate and which win. is i i think maybe it's fair to say at this point that or just in general we should say it over and over the lizards are like kind of a hard yeah. faction to learn like right. maybe the hardest to learn right so i really do want to reinforce you should just focus on these little like fun, fo- focus on the fundamentals for now yeah. because Getting to where you can like reliably win with the lizards means you're going to be a very, very, very good root player that understands way more than just about your faction. The lizard cult kind of requires you understand 
major elements of other factions for you to truly do well with them. Their engine doesn't just naturally do well, like something like the Eerie does, right? If you just do the thing that you naturally do as the Eerie, you constantly grow and constantly get more and more points. Um, same thing even with cats, technically, even though cats can have like a fall off period. If you just do the thing, you can win. But the lizard cult, that isn't always true because you can get bad luck and terrible things can happen mm-hmm. to you. Now they have huge scoring potential, but it still just comes down to, to some luck factors. So now let's, so the thesis here is there are 30 points to win the game, zero to 10 is going to happen really slow for you. It's going to feel kind of slow, but that's not going to feel bad. It's going to feel like you're getting everything set up, right? You have to build your infrastructure to get to your 10th point. So, mm-hmm. like, if you are aiming for dominance, which we are not going to suggest you do, but if you're just aiming for that dominance threshold of 10 points, it's going to feel like you're almost behind the pack. Everyone else might get to 10 points before you. Then, from 10 to 20 points you are going to skyrocket past everyone else and you might be the first player to get to 20 points because your mid-game scoring potential is kind of outclasses most other factions. And this is one of the reasons the Lizard Cult is so fun to play. You get this like big boost and then your 20 to 30 is hold on for the ride of your life, hope you can make it out the other side. The other players are probably paying attention to you. Uh, and are probably going to start dealing with you, and it's going to make your late game very difficult. Now, like I said earlier, really, really good players are going to learn how to mitigate that. That becomes the strategy of Lizard Cult, is like, do you force yourself to hold back a little bit in that 10 to 20 range so that you don't fly ahead? This is something we saw, I think it was Garrick do in the Root Tournament. His Lizard game was the only Lizard game that we almost saw the Lizards win, and he forced himself to score less and stay in the pack a bit more. Now, my fear with that strategy is it can even then still be difficult to cinch out the last 10 points. So holding yourself back and sometimes and most often just means you're set back and you're not you're not going to win the race as the lizard. Cult. It's very difficult mm-hmm. to win the race. So that's why I'm saying today for now, while you're learning the lizard cult, go for the swing. Go ahead. It feels good. Just do it. Do the 10 to 20 point swing super, super fast and then see how well you hold on for the last 10 points. And that's it, some games, and especially games without the Vagabond, you can probably win. Uh, but I do want to put in there, the Vagabond really uh, throws things off kilter for you. So that's, I wanted to say that up front. We're going to come back to that, all of that stuff later in like our problems section. But I think all of that stuff is going to help reinforce what we're talking about in our Birdsong and Daylight and and all of that. So let's get into our Birdsong. Uh Birdsong is primarily about two things, uh, which are two things we haven't talked about yet. The outcast and your conspiracies. So the first thing is you adjust the outcast. The outcast is based on the cards that have been discarded. So discards, instead of going to the discard pile, go to your lost souls section first. And then at the start of your turn, whichever card has the majority of cards in your lost souls becomes the outcast. Whatever card has the majority of cards. Whatever card has the most, the majority, whatever suit has the majority of cards, thank you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Whatever suit has the majority of cards becomes the outcast or increases the power of the outcast. If no suit has a majority, whatever the current suit is stays, right? So you could have a current rabbit outcast and have two mouse cards and two fox cards and you would upgrade to a hated rabbit outcast because neither the mouse nor the fox 
increased anything or stole it. So this is the random factor. Now it's not it's obviously not completely random because the out you know this is all controlled by what other cards players are discarding, but you as a player have almost no control over that. You can kind of try to coerce people into discarding certain cards or whatever. Um, you can you you'll see people make deals with players, especially like the player who's going right before them. You will you will often try to make deals of like, well, okay, if you're discarding down to five and you have to get rid of something, will you please you know, do whatever to offset my outcast suit so that I get the thing that I want. Because your goal is to have a hated outcast. Because a hated outcast makes your conspiracies all cheaper. So let's talk about what your conspiracies are. You have three of them. Uh, one of them is Crusade. Spend two acolytes to battle in any outcast clearing or may move from any outcast clearing and then may battle in the destination clearing. Uh, so this is the first of many instances of the outcast controls where you're even allowed to do stuff. This is the RNG factor of the cult. Everything is just based on whether or not you can do anything in the clearing that you're in. Uh, you can also convert, spend two acolytes to remove an enemy warrior in an outcast clearing and place a warrior there. And you can sanctify, spend three acolytes to remove an enemy building in an outcast clearing and place a garden here. You score a point for removing that building, by the way. That's a thing I forget. Uh, very, very often. Um, but again, all of those things, two, two, and three are the costs unless you have a hated outcast and then they become one, one, and two. So obviously your goal is to make your conversions and your crusades half as expensive and to have a really cheap sanctify. Um, but all that being said, you are never saving up a bunch of acolytes for one big swing conspiracy turn because you can never really plan for that. My go-to plan with the lizard cult is to always do as much as I can with the turn I have. I live in the moment as the lizards. You don't get to have three turn-long plans like you do with like the Eerie or something where it's like we're going to do this and then we'll solidify that position and we'll build here and then we'll do this. Because well, why not? Everything you're doing is controlled by the... You, you can only literally interact with the suits that are currently outcast. And so you don't get to incorporate a specific rabbit clearing into your plan if you're just going to keep hitting Fox over and over and over again, you have to just roll with the punches every single turn or else you're doomed. Oh, okay. Hunter, you, uh, you, when we were writing this, you had, uh, been kind of pushing me m multiple times with acolytes of like the idea. This was especially happening in crafty corner when we were prepping it. Um, and, and I, I think it's something I want to break down because, it's not something I had considered, but it was clearly something on your mind as someone who hasn't really played Lizards yet. So it's, I feel like it's going to be a good teaching tool. You seemed to be into the idea of we kind of actively want to lose our warriors as the Lizards because we want to keep up a, a healthy stock of Acolytes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I from the outside, it looks like the problem with Lizard Cult sometimes is like, oh, I need to deal with the Lizard Cult, but if I deal with the Lizard Cult, then next round they will get a possibly better turn. Mm -hmm. Now that you're even laying it out like this, though, because that's kind of like an if on an if, though, right? Because right. it's like, if they get the Acolytes, yes. and if it is a hated outcast, <laughs> then maybe they will get right. some sort of crazy big turn. So maybe I'm a little, a little jumpy about the Lizard Cult, but it does feel like, you know, you would maybe play with a sort of sense of like, you know, I'm down to lose some lizards over yep. here. Yeah. Come kill me over here. Come yes. kill me over here. That's fine. Right. So, like, that's not wrong. No, it's not wrong to a 
to a certain point. And so what this is where our zero to 10 range is. Our zero to 10 point range, that is wrong. We don't wanna lose, we wanna keep every acolyte we can. We need to make everything count. We don't just wanna mm -hmm. be losing warriors willy nilly because what we wanna do as uh, the lizard cult, and, and this will primarily happen in our daylight, not our bird song, but our goal is to get up to two gardens down in two different suits right mm -hmm. our, our main goal now you could go for more but what most players find is they if you have two and two you can be pretty safe with that you can at you can very often recruit enough to protect those you'll have enough lizards down that people can't just come through and take them from you so if you can def get get four gardens well defended the biggest goal that like the dream would be two of one suit in one clearing and two of the other suit in one clearing with like a stack right. of four plus lizards protecting it. Um, that's going to be pretty well defended. Four for the very, very early game, six or more for later on. Um, you need to be able to withstand multiple people attacking your main garden centers. So for those four gardens, we do not want to just be losing any wars. We have to get our stockpile up. So a lot of our early turns are going to be spent focusing on uh, building those up, which is why I don't really even like early conspiracies. Conspiracies are a, are a late game, like a mid game and a late game thing. Not really something you're spending very much on in the early game, because again, you're right. not really trying to lose warriors. And that means you're just not going to have very many acolytes. And honestly, we're trying to avoid bird cards. Although, you know, one bird card in our hand throughout the game uh, isn't a big deal. We should get into what all of that means, though, what, what, what I'm getting into there. So uh, let's talk about Daylight. Uh, daylight is where the meat and potatoes of Lizard Cult is. I, I would call Conspiracies the gimmick, uh, and Daylight is the actual gameplay. And this is the other reason I kind of push back against the idea of, like, maybe we we want to encourage losing uh our our acolytes or our warriors to turn into acolytes because mm -hmm. that's something that i think comes up in the in the way late game because in the daylight we are we have four possible actions that we're allowed to do uh we reveal any number of cards this is like the original reveal faction the duchy now knock them out of the park the duchy are way better than the lizard cult and they use the mm -hmm. reveal mechanic but the lizards were here first so i'm giving it to them uh and it's a, it's i i like revealing as a mechanic because it's very good uh and it it already instills the idea that the most important thing to us is card draw especially card draw at the start of our turn or during other players turn we're very much a fan of that stuff because if we can start our turn with more than five cards we're going to have a very good turn right the more cards we get in our hand the better um because we're just going right. to get to do more stuff so three of the actions we can take are with the three suits, rabbit, fox, and bunny. Uh, wait, rabbit, fox, and mouse. Uh, with either of, with any of those three cards, you can build, place a garden in a matching clearing, you rule. Uh, you can recruit, place a warrior in a matching clearing. That's anywhere, no matter where. You can just put lizards on the board. That's that's kind of your main thing is just plop wizards, uh, lizards wherever you want. And then the third thing you can do, which is not something we do much in the early game, but is is the reason we want two and two, is you can score with the card. And in this situation, you don't reveal the card. You discard this card to score victory points at the rightmost empty matching garden space. So the reason we get two and two is having two gardens out puts us in the two-point track. So the way your gardens are laid out is having a single garden out of a suit gets you nothing. 
two and three both only net you two points. Four right. gets you three, five gets you four. So the four and the five are very difficult to get to and only happen in random chances, and you're probably going to lose those gardens right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously having three down doesn't do you anything better than having two down, aside from just the notion that if you lose the third, it doesn't cost you a point, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, so our scoring is mostly based on, this is why we want to desperately protect that two and two. Because that is four points every single turn. If we can if we can lock those down and make it where people just can't do anything about it, at the very least, we can reliably get four points every turn it, if we have the card draw, if we have the right cards for it. <laughs> can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, so when we discard to score, does that go to Lost Souls or does it that does. go to the discard yep. pile? Every discard, no matter what, in the whole game goes to Lost Souls. So that's the other way you can kind of... Sometimes you control the Lost Souls a bit based on what you're choosing to score. That's a little bit rare. That's a little bit metagamey, higher tier <laughs> like play. But with some gimmicks we're going to do, we're going to talk about later on, you actually can control the outcast pretty well uh, with, with that sort of method. Um, the So the big thing here is scoring is the only thing that actually makes you lose your cards. But if we get two and two down, having second garden out of a, of a single suit is also what gets us our card draw. Um, so lizards can get crazy card draw very, very quickly. If you had two in all three suits, you're drawing four cards every single turn, which means you can score in all three suits. Uh, worth noting, you can only score once per suit. So you can't um, control two fox clearings, have a hand of five fox cards, and just score, 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 right? You you can only do it one time, which is why you, have, you are forced as lizards to diversify your clearing count. Because um, it's just mm-hmm. not going to do you any... You score way more by having two and two than you do by having four in one. Um, right. So our uh, the last thing we can do is with bird cards, because they do not, they're not wild to us, bird cards are how we get acolytes. You sacrifice uh, by placing one warrior in the acolytes. That's also just a reveal. So your bird cards are nice little just like, yep, here's a bird card, I get an acolyte. Cool, okay, and then it goes back into my hand. And I don't know what I'm doing with this bird card, but maybe I'll use it eventually. Um, right. So the big idea here is in the early game, we're recruiting. Recruit, 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 recruit. Because in the early game, we barely rule anywhere, especially if cats in the, are in the game. Like, your your three outward lizards don't rule anywhere because there's a, there's a competing cat in those clearings. You're sharing space. So you literally rule nowhere. So your first turn, or usually your first two turns, literally your only option is to recruit. And you're just looking for somewhere to build that next clearing. This is why I said earlier, if you can help it, if you get to pick, choose a starting clearing with two slots in it so that that starting clearing, whether it be, you know, let's say it's a mouse clearing. If you have two spots there, you have one right away and one of your first actions can actually be to build that second garden so you can start scoring two points per turn and just get that going right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in general, we want to recruit as much as possible. And the general theme, at least in the early game and maybe a little bit into the mid game is recruit until a clearing is protected well enough not just till you rule it don't just barely rule a clearing but get it to where it feels locked down and then build there this is for your early scoring potential later on that's Mm -hmm. we're going to throw that out the window but early on we really do just want everything to be as safe and protected as we possibly can so the idea is we get those two and two lack lockdown we're getting four points per turn and then later on is when we do weird little swings, right? Once we have two very, very secure spots, that's when, and and I want to be clear about this, we're not just launching out for anything because again, that third building in the clearing doesn't do anything for us. 
So what we're doing is we're looking for random turns where we can jump ahead two gardens in one spot to get to that three-point clearing threshold. There's no point in getting a new garden out unless you can like super, super well defend it. But that that's honestly somewhat rare because you're so focused on defending your main garden centers that any mm -hmm. exterior garden center is like, listen, this is for this turn. I'm going to get that point and then I'm probably going to lose it and I have to just accept that. Um, right. And that's where your mid-game Acolyte generation comes from. Hunter, this is where you are right about how you feel about Acolytes. Is like we have these little things where it's like, oh, yeah, I got three Warriors down, plopped down two Fox Gardens, scored, and then you came and attacked, and I got three Acolytes, and I'm going to get to Sanctify next turn, too, or whatever, right? I, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm instantly reinforcing myself in the mid and late game with my big attempts to swing out and get the points. And this is also reinforced by that idea of we're taking the shots we get every single turn we get them, right? Now, we're not taking shots if they will literally let net us no points or no good board position. Um, so you're going to have a lot of bunk turns in the mid game. You're just going to recruit. And all you're going to do is recruit, you know, two turns, three turns in a row until you get the right amount of acolytes or the right outcast with the right hand. And then it's like, oh, this is the turn where I can get three buildings down and score four points off of that one thing or whatever it be right you're, you're just yeah, looking yeah. for major swinging scoring opportunities sometimes you're looking for when the hand makes sense for you to like recruit recruit and then craft um you're not a bad crafting faction um but in general we don't love crafting uh th this is a difficult one because we'll get into it in crafty corner but most abilities aren't specifically great for you and items uh, we hate the Vagabond a lot, so I actually do not like crafting items for uh, if the Vagabond is in play because I don't want to make the Vagabond more powerful and I don't want them to come near me, even though they're definitely mm -hmm. going to anyways. Um, and honestly, most items, like any one-point item, you would be better off spending that card as the yeah, points. Yeah, you're spending for, it at a loss. Yeah, you're spending it as a loss if you, if you craft it. You might as well score with it. Uh, let's get into the evening so that we can kind of finish out all these ideas and then we'll really talk about kind of the whole scope of everything. So your evening is really basic. You return your revealed cards to your hand and then uh, you craft using uh, the active suit. So this is the big uh, struggle with lizard crafting is you are you are also inhibited to your outcast suit for for this phase of the game uh which means crafting is just really random for you so sometimes you have an ability that you're like this would maybe be pretty good um and it's like three turns later now i'm finally able to craft it i found myself not liking most abilities based purely because of the timing i had so little control over now that's not true for any card draw all card draw is great for you um but literally all other abilities were like middling in power and i almost wish i had just kept the card and used it to score you know, you, you, you sometimes craft an ability and then you get a bad card draw that turn. You draw three cards and it's like, oh, they're all birds and I'm not going to get to score next turn because of that. And I, I wish I had just kept the card that was a fox card that I crafted so that I could have scored it instead. Um, so so it gets really just like messy and annoying. Um, so so crafting seems like it could can be good and it, and it, it sometimes is, but I would check and make sure you're not going to just get more out of crafting a card now obviously this isn't necessarily true for any craftable that is a bird card probably not too bad because obviously you can't score with bird cards so any of those craftables instantly become safer bets for you right um things like um one of the one of the swords is a bird card right that's safe to craft 
uh, if you get the Fox clearings or whatever. So, so all of those conditions uh, need to apply. Um, but mostly, um, we are we are crafting when the points outweigh the points we would score off of our gardens, if that's even true. Um, the big thing too also is you can get your card draw so high that you're going to be discarding a bunch of cards anyways, so you might as well craft them, right? If if I get my card draw up to three or four cards per turn, and I'm using most of those to recruit, I'm only going to like score with two cards. That means I'm at three cards. I'm about to draw three more cards and get to six. That means I have one burner card anyways. So right. I, a, a lot of times a lizard craft is just like, a well, I have it, and... I'm gonna lose. I'm probably gonna throw it out anyways, so I right. might as well craft it. In, as can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can Can you score in the same suit more than once in one turn? No. Yeah. No. That's that's that is a. Uh, so that's sort of what you were talking about, even right there. Yes. Is like if I've already scored in mouse and I have a mouse craftable, I might as well craft it because right. I can't score in mouse twice. Right. Right. Uh, well, and and so you you it's it's a thing too where like you can overstock in one suit in your hand, right? Mm -hmm. Again, our, we're trying to have a diverse hand. We're trying to have a little bit of everything. What would be awesome is, what, what would be a great turn to have every single turn is have two rabbit cards, have two mouse cards, have a fox card, and have an ability that draws you an extra card, and you draw a sixth card at the start of your turn. You get it. You draw. You draw a second mm -hmm. fox card. So That's you have like two, two, and two. That would be yeah. perfect to have every single turn, where you just like build and score and build and score and build and score yeah. discard three draw them back up or whatever like that that's what you would love to see happen that would be like the key to a great lizard game um so your card draw can get so crazy that like you do want to look for opportunities to just burn crafts uh so that you have kind of just extra options um especially to some of the like movement or attacking abilities again our crusade the only way we move on the board is via that crusade ability and it's limited to whatever our outcast is. So if you can get those abilities that let you do other bonus movement, you're not always going to use them, but they're nice to have access to is is the general idea. Right, right. Uh, so, okay, what are our opening ideas? Well, we've talked about how important two and two is. Um, obviously, your early game is almost entirely just recruiting and recruiting and then some more recruiting. And I'm just going to keep recruiting until I can finally okay. get the two and two. You're saying recruiting a lot. Can you just give me an idea numerically of like what what your clearing should look like? Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want people to think like, oh, Matt just said just get all your lizards right. out on the yeah, map. Yeah. Um. So you're you you have your corner right that you started in, and if it's got two spots in it, we I want to get like, I mean, I want to get at least four down again by like turn three, and then I want to keep going after that. Like I I, I want to have six feels like the right number in my sure. in if i have a base that's going to keep two of my gardens of the same suit in it i want to have mm -hmm. six units there because i want to be able to withstand like maybe three attacks right six is yeah. a decent number of they would have to roll very well to get through that in three attacks um this is another reason why you hate vagabond vagabond can just do three attacks without even blinking yeah, um, but yeah, everybody yeah. else has to like really focus on you to make that happen so Anywhere where I'm trying to have a solid base, I want six. Anywhere else where I'm just throwing stuff out there, uh, if I get to rule, I would say, like, rule plus two. Um, now, this isn't going to be, you know, if it's like an eerie stack, maybe give up on that being the place you go. But you're, you're where you're looking for those other clearings, again, you're not 
you don't necessarily care about things being adjacent to each other. You can just start recruiting kind of wherever. So you look for like a random weak thing out on the edge of someone else's property and you go, you know what? You've only got two things there. If I can get four lizards there, I will rule and have enough to plop the garden down and you won't have a very easy response to it. If you build that garden while you only have the two lizards there, you're going to lose that garden in that turn because they're just going to, you know, it's one or two attacks and they'll just deal with it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's the four to six on our main bases. Ideally, that's in two territories. More often, it's probably three. You know, it's a it's a s- spot with two uh, clearing or a clearing with two slots and then two clearings with one slot. Hopefully that are all kind of nice and compact to each other just so that if you have to, you can crusade to protect your stuff. I prefer crusading to protect my land over crusading to go take somewhere else because you can convert and sanctify to take other places, right? Crusading to me feels more like a defensive maneuver than anything else. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so, that that really is the main focus. So it's less about the opening as lizards and more about how do you pull off that mid-game swing, right? We talked about 10 to 20 points becomes like a really, really big deal. Well, if you just count it out, I mean, if we get our two and two set up, like we said, if we get the right card draw, that's an easy four points per turn plus maybe one craftable, right? Two more points out of the crafting. And then uh, if we're doing that three turns in a row, that's 12 plus points, right? So you see how we very, very quickly careen ahead of everybody else, um, d- depending on like the factions of the board. Uh, this also holds true with how you can deal with other factions. You are one of, if, if the luck works out for you, you can deal the most damage to another faction. Consider Eerie, for some reason, put like a mouse card in, uh, in their recruit, this, this has happened. This is the only reason I'm bringing it up. This is not necessarily a situation Eerie should ever find themselves in. They should plan around this. But mm-hmm. if you put a single mouse in recruit and you only have one mouse roost, if I come in and sanctify your mouse roost, I've just destroyed an entire Eerie turn. You're going sure. yeah. you're going to turmoil. You're going to turmoil. Um, it's kind of the same story with moles, right? Yes, yeah. Like, you get yeah. to just make them go into, what's it called? Price of failure, right? Price you of you failure, get to just destroy... Yeah a duchy turn without even thinking about it. Like as long as you get the outcast suit, you just convert a, a mole building. Um, so the other factions very much have to play against you being there and you can slow them down in really significant ways. So at the same time that you're having this really big point swing, you can be blowing major hurt. You know, you can be putting major damage on the other factions and that's what makes you fly ahead. But that's also what, pisses everybody off and why your late game suddenly becomes all right time to start punching the lizards very very badly and everybody has enough tools um to deal with you because you just don't have a lot of responses and sometimes even like your cards like (laughs) honestly sometimes i don't want to spend an ambush because i would rather if if i know i'm not gonna like lose everything i might keep the ambush and score with it later or whatever that's not always true but like lizards are really weird on the board you're not like very obviously doing certain things outside of your two and two everything else is hallowed ground that you can lose (laughs) yeah yeah that's interesting um there it's it's weird uh how much it feels like uh they are so focused on recruitment right yeah but at the same time they're not very good at having like a solid like doing anything solid with 
all that recruitment. You, 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 your only pathway to success is overwhelming with numbers because you don't have any control over those those numbers. So you just need them to be everywhere. You need to be a big yeah. bee swarm. And every once in a while, one of those bees will get to sting. But you yeah. need the swarm to be able to accomplish anything. Or, I mean, to me, it just kind of feels like the default that you're describing is like you kind of just build up a lot of meat yeah at the beginning right and then maybe that meat will become sentient yeah <laughs> and like get to do stuff right but you got to have the meat regardless yes so you, i mean it's you, like you got to meet you have to build up so that you can coast for the rest of the game because coasting isn't coasting for you it's it quickly becomes holding on for dear life um so let's let's get over to crafty corner because i think this is an interesting point and i feel like this is where i'm gonna make the most enemies <laughs> is oh, is good. my ideas of like what may or may not be good with crafting i'm sure that there are expert root players out there that are gonna like just disagree me through and through on all these but i think we have solid things to say about all the cards we're gonna talk about in crafty corner so awesome uh the most obvious are the oh wait are you gonna do the, oh, the do crafty I to, corner oh, jingle my voice really hurts and it's going to hurt more because I'm going to keep talking during this episode because it's Crafty Corner and we're going to talk more. It's Crafty Corner and we're going to talk more. Chook-a-doo-boop-a-dee-boop. Crafty Corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. First up, we like we like card draw, right? We already covered that. If we can, especially card draw, that doesn't happen in like evening if we can get a start of turn or during other people's turn card draw so that we start our turn with more cards mm -hmm. that is incredibly good for us because that's literally the ability to do more things on our turn that's more action build for us. more gardens yeah. score more points yeah it's our whole economy is based on cards this is sort of the other thing too of the idea that our you know the warriors aren't our economy i think it can be very easy to look at what the lizard cult have and think the warriors turning into acolytes that's our major economy that's wrong card draw and cards are your major economy everything you accomplish is through cards if you could get the right card draw and the right hand every single turn you would never need to use a single acolyte for anything you would never have right. to do an acolyte ability if you just could yeah, you always score, get the right card you don't score with your acolytes exactly. like you score with the cards right so you have to you have to have access to that so murine broker is cool whenever another player crafts an item draw a card that's pretty dope we like having that uh and swap meet is not gaining cards but if we get the option to kind of cater our hand to what sure. we actually want to score with we yeah, maybe we've got too that. many bird cards exactly. or whatever like we, yeah. we can cycle out the junk and get good stuff instead um so we like that uh, i'm sorry we're talking about exiles and partisans right now we will get to base deck next um also up is a weird one which is master engravers M might push it over the limit of whether we decide to actually start crafting when you craft an item score one extra point um I i'm hesitant to recommend this one because again in a lot of cases we would rather save the cards to score them with our gardens but sometimes if you get the hand for it and it's like you know i if it, it, especially if you're getting things that can obviously outweigh your garden scoring if it's the coins mm -hmm. or the anvil or something like that Master Engravers could be a, a really juicy opportunity. And the biggest thing about all of these is a lot of things that are normally kind of like, eh, we don't really like it for other factions, go to the maybe pile for lizards because of how easy crafting can be for you. 
it's all just yeah. happenstance of what you have that turn. Again, like we were saying earlier, some turns you need to just craft something so that you aren't wasting the card. You might as well build it. You have mouse outcast. You have two mouse clearings. All right, let's craft master engravers. Let's get it, right? I mean, there I, there were a lot of times I was just crafting stuff and just saying, this is for science. I just want to see what this feels like. And I have the I have the card draw. I have the ability to do it right now. Let's just craft it and see where it goes. Um, and there's a handful of abilities that I that didn't work out for me, but I think just enough stuff gets put into the column of like, you know what, it works it works well enough. Um, depending on I just want to the, the only thing I have to, to add to the master engravers thing is obviously you need to look at like what items are left anyways yes. for yeah. this to even make any sense to yeah, you. Yeah, don't don't do this late game because it's probably too late for it to be worth anything at all. Um, right. Next up in Exiles and Partisans, what we like, it's funny, we're, we're hitting a very much like we really like mouse clearings. Um, it might be very much in your interest to focus on mouse clearings uh, if you're playing with the Exiles and Partisans deck, because we also kind of like League of Adventurous Mice. Once in daylight, you may exhaust an item in your crafted items box to take a move or initiate a ba uh, battle. Again, I've been discouraging you from building items, but in the situations where you do get them, Gaining access to a move or initiating a battle again to like defend your stuff in the only way that you can that can be very very useful now again you're probably only doing this once or twice in an entire game but I had a game where this saved me right I was able to do like a major move or a major battle to thwart someone from taking out my like garden epicenter or whatever so mm -hmm. that can be a really nice tool to just have in your back pocket now if vagabond is in the game don't don't do it because you don't want to craft items and the vagabond is going to come steal the item before you get to use it anyways it's going to be a whole thing you have to deal with so this is a this is a if no vagabond maybe league of adventurous mice is good um i just want to throw out some uh really really quick honorable mentions um for exiles and partisans too uh saboteurs is as good as it ever is um but more specifically uh because so many other abilities aren't especially great for you or even very threatening for you um, people often won't saboteur your stuff and you can focus your saboteur on other people's abilities. A lot of people use a saboteur to kill a saboteur and you don't really need to do that because you're not worried about your stuff being saboteured. Does that make sure. sense? So there's not a lot of, you haven't really described a lot of synergy yeah, with these abilities. Exactly. Like it's, they're just kind of basic. Right. Yeah. Everything is just a thing you might do every once in a while. Any of the movement or anything like that else it just doesn't do much for you so nobody's really threatened by you having those abilities so your saboteur is kind of more potent because yours is the one that's actually going to attack someone's false orders or whatever it may be yeah also i would say that because there's no synergy uh you obviously the other factions then will probably if you're playing with exiles and partisans anyways uh, maybe have a more broken combo yeah. or not broken, just right. good combo right. uh, that you are going to want a saboteur. Yeah, especially things where it's like that combo is obviously going to be used against me, right? right. Some yeah. eerie, terrible combo that's going to just steamroll through your stuff is not a thing that you really want other players to have access to. And uh, the other two would be um, false orders. I don't hate. Um, you can use false orders to... Uh, clear someone out so that then you can plop down gardens, right? If, you, if you're just trying to get that last minute rule, if you're tied four and four with someone, you can clear two of theirs out and then plop gardens down. Um, that's useful. Uh, or it also can just be used to push someone away from you that otherwise would be like close enough to move into your stuff and crush your spirits. Uh, and the last honorable mention is Coffin Makers. Hunter and I actually kind of went back and forth on Coffin Makers, and I think I liked it more than Hunter did in 
theory, and I think Hunter's case makes sense for why it became an honorable mention and not something I wanted to recommend. Yeah, do you want me to describe my, yeah. my point here? Yeah, so I think Coffin Maker is obviously one of the best cards in the game. Uh, very good for everybody. I think the reason for me it's an honorable mention for the Lizards is that I feel like it's just wonkier with them yeah. and that just relatively speaking, it might be worse in yeah. their hand. It's the timing of what it, a, right? It's because it's yeah. at the start of Birdsong and Birdsong, at the start of Birdsong is right before we would have used our Acolytes. Our Acolytes are what go to Coffin Makers. Our Warriors yeah. go to Acolytes and then they go to Coffin Makers. So if someone's going to do a major battle with us and kill four of our Warriors and kill three of their own in the process, mm -hmm. that would, for any other faction, be a seven unit coffin maker right that's a big stockpile right. for a point that they're going to get but yours is literally cut in half because you have to get them to the acolytes first also so, i think i think it could create an issue of like how long can you afford to have these lizards like in the nether zone yeah you know what i mean right they're, yeah it is they're gonna that go to another acolytes cost. and then they're gonna go to coffin makers right. and then they're gonna go back yeah. to your supply that's totally like, true that and we talked about that at the top of like Sometimes you actually kind of quickly run out of warriors because they, you, you have to swarm the board so much and their acolytes. And maybe you have a couple with otters and it's just like it becomes like an absolute mess of where all of your stuff is. And more importantly, too, you have no control over your own attacks. You, you're not you're mm -hmm. very rarely doing attacks. Yeah, you that's so, actually so coffin makers doesn't that. do much for you. Right. So so, you, you know, maybe maybe coffin makers gets loaded up a bunch and you're like, oh, I think I could. Uh, and and I actually because of the staggered stuff it wouldn't even make a difference but like with your own units that is but if you're like oh coffin makers is, I I want to try and load coffin makers up I'm gonna start a fight here well what if it's like the wrong yep. outcasts and now the now you're not yep. so yeah you're yeah. Just not doing the thing you wanted to do sorry so yep. it's it's just too much happenstance really it's too much chance adding to all of your chance that you already have in your game um, right so. That's it for Exiles and Partisans. Almost every other ability, I don't really care about. Um, I, you know, stuff like Eerie Emigre only hurt me. Propaganda Bureau, I specifically hated having. <laughs> uh, so uh, right. just a lot a lot of the abilities are things that get in your way or feel like things you're forcing yourself to do. That's especially true with Eerie Emigre. We like to just sit on gardens. It's, it's actually, sometimes it's not that bad that we can't like go do active things on the board because what we would like to do, if we recruited correctly in the early game, we like just sitting on our stuff and having mm -hmm. lots of it. And that's okay with us. So we're not yeah. looking for a bunch of moves and battles necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, uh, Eerie Emigre, I wonder how people feel about that one. I welcome any er yeah. errata there. But, like, as far as I was in the game where you had Eerie Emigre and you were having trouble finding reasons to use it. Like, right. you almost lost it just to it just being, like, n not having a use for right. it. Right. So. I crafted it and then was probably going to lose it just because I couldn't get it to, to happen for me. Um, right. Let's talk about the base deck. Um, this is a weird situation where. I kind of want to argue, and I've seen I've seen enough discourse about this that I think I'm towing a line that is safe to tow, which is I think the base deck is better for lizards. If you were playing yeah. with our tournament rules and like you knew you were gonna you you like had already decided you were gonna pick lizards and you got to be the person that picked the deck, right? I think you should pick base deck because it's it's actually pretty good for you and definitely better. I I heard someone else put it this way: Exiles and Partisans deck isn't that bad for lizards, but it's definitely better for everybody else. 
than it right. is for you. Yes, right? it's the I, same. I hundred percent agree yeah, with that. It's the same situation of us as a whole faction. It's not bad, but it's we are the worst <laughs> with it. Right. So, right. Uh, so, so, so you we, might as well pick the deck that's actually worse for everybody else, right? And not even that if bad it's like maybe you. just a little bit better for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, things we like from the base deck, obviously, as everybody does, but us especially, we love better Bureau Bank. Holy cow, that card is freaking good for us. At the start of Birdsong, you and another player draw a card. That's literally what I've been describing this whole time is what we like. Right. <laughs> draw a right. card at the start of your turn. That gives This is every single turn. If we discard it down to five and didn't lose any cards, because we like when you lose gardens, you lose cards. So if we didn't lose any gardens this turn, we're going to have six cards in our hand this turn. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. That, so so better Bureau Bank. If you're playing with the base deck, you better get two rabbits down. That should be absolutely your focus. And you should right. be like carving up the deck to try to get to this card. It is your number one thing. Uh, the next thing we kind of like, um, but I'm going to say it's, it's also kind of difficult to get to because it requires three. Uh, but honestly, that's not as hard for us as it is for a lot of other factions that that's the that's the other reason we like the base deck is the three requirements are not nearly as difficult for us as they are for other factions we can get three gardens down right if we get two clearings with multiple right. slots in it we're more or less guaranteed to get three clearing or three gardens down to craft out of um, but stand and deliver in birdsong may take a random card from another player that player scores one point so once again another card draw now the point thing, I like it less than just letting someone else get a card with better Bureau Bank. But like if we had Stand and Deliver and better Bureau Bank, guess what? Now we're up to seven cards every single turn. Right, right. Just, it's huge. And, and you can turn That's those beautiful. seven cards into two. Those two cards that you drew could be your two extra scores. So you gained four points and gave away one card and one point to the rest of the table. It's a huge net gain. Uh, what else do we like? Um, I, I, we're actually getting down the list into stuff that isn't as good. Um, but Royal Claim is interesting. Um, I think it could be cool, but it's incredibly difficult. The idea of having four in one clearing for us, because again, we are limited to the crafting suit. So Royal Claim for us has to be four foxes or it has to be four rabbits. Um, yeah. And in Birdsong, you may discard this card to score one point per clearing your rule. Honestly, I mean, it's a bird card, so we're never going to use it to score. It's not one of our score cards, so it's not that bad to use it in this way. But what I don't like about Royal Claim is it puts a target on us that we don't need. Uh, we already yeah. are probably going to be somebody's target in this game. And putting Royal Claim on is essentially the same as playing a dominance card where people are like, well, time to like mess up all of their stuff and make sure that they get very few points from that Royal Claim. Um, yeah. the, the appeal of Royal Claim is you can rule in a lot of territories because your gardens inherently rule. But the idea that all of your gardens are going to be perfectly well defended is pretty rich. <laughs> so uh you're you're definitely going to get crushed if you play that royal claim and, and i just think it's heat that we don't need now if it's like a game-winning maneuver i guess go for it i think um the 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 reason i f i feel good about royal claim being in this list though is that it's not so much that i think it's just like really good for lizards uh so much as i think because this is in the deck and there could be a situation mm -hmm. where you are going to get some pretty easy points off of this uh, if you're like already set up for it, I'm not talking about the situation where you get it, you know, and you're going to plan to score it. No, that's right. not a good idea. Right. But in, in the situation where you draw it and you're like, oh, I'm already set up to craft this. I can craft this this turn and then, you know, maybe set up to score a bunch of points next time. I don't know. That sounds like a good yeah. possibility. It's It's part of the RNG that we're just playing with as lizards. Yeah. It's, a, it's another factor in that, right? Um, 
Next up is Command Warren. At the start of daylight, you may initiate a battle. Um, I don't mind this one because it doesn't have the weird uh, contingencies that Eerie Emigre has. It's just a May, and it's a thing that every once in a while we'll be able to use. And again, in the games, in, in the turns where we just like had Rabbit as the suit and we were going to discard extra cards, I'm, I'll craft a Command Warren. I would love to just have a free battle right, per turn right. um, that doesn't have to be a part of a Crusade or whatever. That battle gets to exist outside of my Outcast, and every once in a while, you're going to need that. Um, th this is another reason why the base deck is just better for you in general is... Exiles and Partisans is kind of more of like a everything has a condition or a cost to it of some kind. Sure. And base this deck is, is just like Eerie a free action. Emigre, basically. Yeah, yeah. This is better than Eerie Emigre, so we we actually like it in this case. Um right. almost last up is Sappers. We like Sappers in battle as defender. You may discard this to deal an extra hit. Uh we are almost always the defender. It's just crazy rare for us to be the attacker. And um having this out makes us look even more dangerous because someone knows they're going to get cost the extra hit. So they have to really, really consider whether or not they want to attack our stuff. And if they do do it, then we're, you know, we're, we're thinning out the board a bit more. So we really, really like this. It makes people really seriously consider if they want to attack our stuff. This is where the most kind of contentious point of Hunter and I talking about whether or not you actually actively want to lose warriors to gain acolytes came up. And again, I hope I've made the case that you really don't. You, you would be fine with never getting acolytes as long as you mm -hmm. can get the right card draw. So if you can discourage from people, if you can discourage people from even attacking your gardens in the first place so that you can score with the next turn, that is definitely better than gaining some acolytes in almost every it's really single more case. Like, I, I, th I, think, I think maybe the way to think about it with lizards is it's not that they want to get, to get acolytes. It's like when they lose, they get a little consolation prize, which yes. is that now they can do... Yeah. But again, it's an if on an if. Exactly. It's a consolation it, it's prize It's not a that thing that you are planning for. It's a thing your opponents are planning against, right? Yeah. You you, you sure. get it as a consolation prize. For them, it's a thing they have to consider in their tactics. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Last up is the most obvious thing that we love about the base deck. Uh, it's the favor cards. Favor of the rabbits, favor of the mice, favor of the foxes. Remove all enemy pieces in rabbit clearings, then discard. This is just... You are better at this than basically every single faction in the game. Everybody else, generally, to be able to do a favor... They have to be in three separate, you know, think about Eerie as an example, right? They're, they craft mm -hmm. other roosts, but they can only have one roost per clearing. So they have to be in three rabbit clearings to do favor of the rabbits. Right. Basically and if they're already there, happen. that means there's not that many enemies there. So it just doesn't matter to you. You can be, you on, in some maps, there are clearings with three slots in it. You could be the only person there with three rabbit clearings there, and you can nuke the other three rabbit clearings on the board. Right. Yeah. This is where you do all of your damage as lizards. When when you play lizards in the base game, you are just waiting for this to happen, and everybody else is waiting for this to happen too, and is very afraid of it. Uh, the whole right. game probably becomes about whether or not you're going to get a, a favor card or not, because it's like yeah. the main way you slow everybody else down, and that's what's going to protect your twenty to thirty point range, right? Um, the the ten to twenty you careened into Vic, you know, you went super far ahead, and then in one turn, remember too. This is the other reason favors are ridiculous. You craft after you do your other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole idea here is I only had two rabbit clearings, but this turn I randomly sanctified your third rabbit right. clearing right. and then I nuked everything. So you just couldn't, you didn't see it coming at all. Out of nowhere, 
I burned everything down with favors. So you you can do major surprise swings in the game and and throw everybody off course. Um, th- this is probably the number one reason why if you know you're going to play as lizards and you have a choice of the deck, you should pick base deck because that will greatly increase your chances of pulling off a victory if you can in round six just knock everybody down like three pegs. So it's a pretty major, major hit. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. I would love to actually see that happen <laughs> in a game. Okay, so we've kind of talked about uh, the downsides of lizards in general kind of throughout the yeah. episode, but if you can put a bow on it, what are the pitfalls of playing this faction? Yeah. So uh, the big thing is the random chance of our whole everything. Um, we, we just don't get to pick what we do, and I can't honestly, we, we have not been harping on that enough, but that... That is the struggle. The reason we say Lizard is bad is because in a lot of games, it feels like you didn't even have a choice of what you were doing. You just did. Mm -hmm. It's it's the heart of the cards, right? You have to do whatever the cards tell you, and you hope a win comes out the other side. Um, But you don't get to actively plan your wins out, at least not in your first handful of games when we're learning how to play this faction. We're not just like perfectly doing that stuff. You're going to hear really good players talk about it's it's hilarious honestly to like get the pre errata from like our root tournament counts and all those people because they talk about the lizards in this very strange disconnected way where everything is clearly theoretical and it's like no but i mean things can't you can do stuff and you're like okay what can you do and you're like well i mean you can do stuff you definitely can it's like okay just tell me what i can do you know it's just like you can do stuff. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> they just have right. no, there's no clear cut answers because everything is RNG with this faction and it's it's how you mitigate that RNG that controls whether or not you had a good game. Uh, and and your, your conspiracies, your crafting, everything you're dealing with is based on what that outcast is and you have so little control over it that you're just, you're begging for the game to go your way. Uh, the other big thing is you know, you spend your whole early game building your engine, and the second you are successful in that, in a lot of games, you immediately become a threat. You are instant, like, the second the the players, at the rest of the players at the table see you have two, four, or five point turns in a row, so you have eight to ten points in two turns, they have to deal with you. They absolutely have to deal with you, even though your argument to them can very easily be, listen, those two turns were a fluke. The RNG gave me the right stuff, but there's no guarantee I'm going to have the right stuff next turn. So don't freak out yet, but it doesn't matter. You've had the two good turns. Now you're the target of the table and everyone's going to go deal with you. Um, it, that, that can be the hard selling point as the lizards is the idea of like, listen, I know how scary I look. But don't worry about it, man. And so that's honestly sometimes your advantage is in the fact that you are revealing your hand as you do stuff, right? I'm, I'm revealing to you all the cards. And when you do that, sometimes you need to sell the idea of like, look how bad these cards actually are for me, right? Next turn, I need to prove to you how bad my next turn is going to be so that you don't come jump on me. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to do weird meta stuff like that to prevent people from like absolutely tanking your game because... It's true, but they just don't always believe you <laughs> that your that your next turn is not going to be nearly as good. Right, right. Um, and the other big thing is you are you are if they decide to stop you, you are easily stopped because you don't have almost any ability to be proactive in your defenses. Right, the best defense is a good offense, and you have none. You do not have an offense. What you have is the ability to 
randomly deal major blows to other factions, but that doesn't mean you can keep up a persistent defense. That's not the same. Those aren't the same thing, right? Me swapping out an eerie roost for something that's going to throw them in the turmoil. That's a big deal, but that doesn't always necessarily mean every turn I have the ability to protect all of my gardens. Right. If the table wants to target you, they're going to win that fight. That's good to remember for next time I play against you and you're playing <laughs> lizards. You just told me that I'll win the fight yeah. if I come after you. <laughs> is there no way to like rig the lost souls? Like, is there is there any kind you have of no bargaining strategy chips to that? Is the problem there? There is kind. I mean, there's there there's the idea that you can talk to other players about like what exactly you're doing, and actually. We are about to get into the only other thing that you can do to kind of control it. So let's let's talk about where we find our victory. And one of them is a trick I've been hesitating to bring up. But I think now that we've gotten through all of the basics, we are all now good enough lizard players that we can start to learn about uh, dominance and how you interact with dominance. So the first thing is we will not win via dominance. Dominance is bad for you. Because yeah. what's the main thing we talked about earlier? Our focus is on diversifying our types of clearings, not yeah. stockpiling three of a single trait. If we wanted to get to 10 points, we had to diversify, which means we are now not in a position to do a dominance. Inherently. Okay, so why, why are we even talking about dominance then? So, we're just so bad at it. Because instead of doing dominance, the dominance array is very important to us with this dumb gimmicky trick that I, f I think they have a different term for it, but I'm going to call it dominance cycling. They, I know that the, the better root players have a different term for me, and I, and I welcome their errata to give me a be the, their yeah, better Yeah, let term. us know what it's actually called, because we're going to call it dominance cycling. <laughs> dominance cycling is when other players you know spend their dominance cards, it goes out open on the table, right? And right. any other player during their daylight can discard a card of a matching suit to take one of those cards into their hand. You can discard a card to take one of those, but when you discard that card, it goes to your lost souls, right? Mm -hmm. So now we start to see what we can do with that is if I, if my whole goal anyways is to just like use my Fox card to recruit, well, I can discard a Fox card to draw the Fox dominance card. And in that way, I've slightly controlled the fox suit a little bit, right? As long as I have a card in any suit, I can discard oh, it I to see. draw a dominance. So right. this does two things. One, well, first off, also, I want to bring up the special point of you can discard a bird card to draw the bird dominance and then discard the bird dominance to draw one of the other suits, right? But, That's cool. But the bigger idea here, too, is you can literally block everybody from having access to the dominance cards. Kind of all game, if you really want to. Yeah. If you wanted to focus on it, you just discard cards and keep drawing dominance cards into your hand. They go into your lost souls that turn. They don't come out of the lost souls until next turn. And then you put them right back into your lost souls. Every single turn, the dominance cards just go straight back into your lost souls. And nobody ever gets to play them. So it's a little bit of stacking the deck. It's yes. only a little, only though. A little. This is not a lot. No, like, it's, it is not nearly as much about controlling what suit the lost souls is going to be and it's more about controlling kind of what the rest of the table has access to but you do get to do at least a little bit because it's not like every single turn people are discarding loads and loads of cards so getting even just one extra rabbit card in the deck can can turn the tides for you right that that mm -hmm. can be a, a factor that is worth consider, con considering um it is interesting though that you could take a bird card discard it to get a bird dominance and then discard that bird dominance to get one of the other dominance cards yeah. 
and then discard uh, your other fox card to get the fox. You, know, you can have all three dominance card. You know, I mean, technically speaking, you could do all four dominance cards into your hand every single turn if you had right. the right cards for a bird card and two of any suit means you can get all four dominance cards into your hand. I just want to. I do want to call out though uh, that you know when when bird cards go into the lost souls, that basically doesn't do anything to help you or no. anything like that. Right. It's just right. about being able to it's cool that if you can get to the bird dominance you can then exchange that for any which actually if you have a bird card you can exchange it for any of the dominance the point cards is to the anyways. point is for every other player at you're the table, cutting it off the bird yeah. dominance is the easiest one of the four yes. to do and so to always cut off the bird dominance over everything else is definitely a major stop gap for other factions. so you're cycling you're cycling them into your hand and into the lost souls and you're also blocking them for the other players exactly, exactly. yeah yeah so the, the big area we find our win is doing a little bit of this shenanigans and finding a solid two and two engine. And then you slowly start recruiting another clearings. And when you get just enough to do four gardens in a single clearing, you jump all of the gardens out, score your three points. Maybe every once in a while you get to that four point window, but I think that's really, really rare. And if you get to that point, you're probably having like a really killer game. So, you know, kudos to you, but, but trying to find those third points are really good. Um, and, there's also a certain element of, depending on the game, I will build open third gardens, even without the ability to get the fourth out, uh, if only because it draws the attention away from my main. If, if I already look like a threat, if I can put easy pickings out on the table and let people go attack that so that my main two and two engine stays safe, that's worth it to me, right? So if I can put a third garden in a suit out and protect it with two or three warriors, knowing it's going to get hit, but in getting hit, I will gain acolytes and I won't lose access to my points because they're not okay. affecting my two and two. That's yeah, the value yeah, yeah. of getting third ones out there. But don't just do it crazy. Make sure you're also negatively affecting someone else's game when you do that. You don't want to just willy nilly throw a third base out there. That third base is like you sanctified a duchy building or you sanctified a roost that's really going to hurt the eerie. Things like that. You want you want to you want to sanctify major things. Make that the third building. Have a couple lizards down so that it's at least expensive for them to damage it, but it keeps you in the game. Interesting, interesting. We don't like I losing actually, gardens, right? Yeah. I mean, but but right. we will do it if it protects the rest of our engine. One more time. What is the penalty for losing a garden? I forget what you, exactly you, you discard lose. a card. Uh, okay. So discarding cards, is it random? it's random. You lose just a random card from your hand, um, and that can be Oof. quite costly, especially because in later game, in in later turns, you're trying to score every single turn, right? And in, in at least two clearings, so two cards from your hand every single turn, you know you're burning. So to right. so if you have five and you know you're losing two, every card you lose from a garden is greatly inhibiting your chances to even score in the first place. Ah. So really, like, if you were going to try and stop, if you're playing, if you're listening to this to try and figure out how to stop the lizards, you should kill gardens with, with extreme prejudice, really, yeah. is how, yeah. is Don't how you go stop for the, them. Uh, the other players should not be going for the easy pickings if you're setting them out there. They need to yeah. take out the major bases. They need to get you down yeah. to one or zero gardens in a clearing if they're going to do any damage to you at all. Right. Interesting. Yeah, well... I hope they get better. I think they will. <laughs> I actually think that someone will crack them at some point well, and they'll be like and, a and honestly, it's funny. Uh, it's funny that you say that today as we're recording this, um, Cole and Patrick had a whole stream talking about upcoming stuff and they talked about their, the, the upcoming root expansion that they want to work on. And uh, Patrick talked about wanting to do like a turtle faction that is like a in building infrastructure 
faction mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and they talked about a like i guess kind of a rat king <laughs> faction like a, a a faction that has a um token on the board that's sort of more like the vagabond it's a pawn rather than a warrior but that's the right that's the head rat or whatever but the other thing and and cole has talked about that he's talked about it on our show but he, part of the tournament was sort of sussing out this idea uh he really wants to redo setup order um completely yes. like, a, like a ground up reworking and that could end up being something that actually really helps lizards in the long run um we'll see but you know just the idea that if they had actually more if what they're teasing the idea of is like maybe they get rid of this idea of like corner versus corner clearing stuff and maybe they make it a little bit more nebulous of how you can choose your starting clearing and opening that up could be like a major thing for a faction like lizards beautiful yeah that would be awesome i love it love it this is a good game i like root pretty good (laughs) it's uh, you know what's funny it's so much uh easier to prep a guide when i can play three games in the amount of time it would take me to prep to play one game of ti <laughs> and try to do yeah, that guy well which i don't even do these days you do <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't know if you guys know this but matt actually retired from twilight imperium and now and now that's all purely on my shoulders um <laughs> Not that I don't play root, obviously I do. I do. Got to do does that it all. too. But man does it all. Let me tell you. Man does it all. Man does it all. And you know what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to transition us to the best the show within the show. Uh-huh. The uh a rundown because we don't have any errata. We don't have any errata. It's the rundown time. Hey, I want to thank all our weird bears. Farganess, TG Welch, Brian, Botbot, Kaluin, Billy, Squeamish Emu, Son of Leto, and Mate Nason. And I want to thank our Space Kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphonia Requiem, Rwise, Gazkio, Dark Jutsu, Absol, Istoria, Ready Action, Visioness, Brave Sir Robin, Uncle Batty, and Frank G. Wow. End of year is yeah. killing it on the patient yeah. front. They want those shirts. They want the jerseys. They want the pins. They want it all, Hunter. Right, and hey, they, and they'll get it. Hunter, we they'll goofed. Get it. We did such a stupid thing. What? <laughs> we didn't talk about. We have a merch store now. Oh my god! Yeah, we have completely missed that. Yeah, so there, <laughs> merch exists. It is a thing. Um, it 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 is. It's real. Um, and it's beautiful. Um, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, if anybody is wondering. Uh, hey, what's up with uh, with Galactic Council and uh, Hunter Donaldson Fan Club stuff? We haven't had new polls out for next month's stuff, uh, and I'll I'll tell you I'll I'll tell you this much. Uh, I gotta figure out how we're gonna do it, but the holidays are just so weird that yeah. there's like a million things that are gonna happen that are kind of outside of the normal order of stuff, and also the expansion is coming out. So next week I will have new polls for you so you might have to like if, if you're a galactic counselor and you've been wanting to get in your vote this month you'll have to sneak it in yeah, i think before be the end of the month but but it will it will happen um but yeah please check out the merch we have three designs that you can uh get various merch on one is a specialty piece that uh our artist son sanders made which is of uh it's it's a of a weird a weird bear, a sad boy weird bear being sad. Yep. Um, and and it's clearly a sad boy weird bear and it, a bear and it has nothing to do with the clan of Sar yeah. um, at all. You cannot uh, sue us. You are not allowed. <laughs> yeah, parody's protected. Um, so s- stuff it. Um, and then the other the other options are the new uh, 2020 Space Cats logo and the old 
logo. Right now, the old logo is only available on some Ringer shirts, yeah. and the reason for that is that it looks weird on everything else. So that's what it looks good on. Uh, and then with the new logo, you can basically get that. You can get that on all types of stuff. Everything. You can get that on mugs. Get a friggin' beach um, towel. Put make your living room rug. Space yeah. cats, peace turtles. I mean, yeah, it, it, you um, can do it all. I'm excited. We, we're we're gonna get to do more designs in the future too. It's just gonna they're gonna like mm-hmm. slowly trickle out. But there there are some ideas coming up that I am so juiced for. I cannot wait. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then I don't, I, I don't, I think I spaced. I don't even know if we mentioned it, but the the Weird Bear uh, logo for the Weird Bear jersey is nearing completion. Yeah. I mean, I think it's in a great spot. And then the next thing that will happen is I will order all of the jerseys. I'm looking to do that December first. Yeah. So, uh, and and this is not to dis. To, well, this is to encourage and also maybe set some expectations. I'm going to order these Weird Bear jerseys, and they're from some company, and I don't know how long it's going to take to get them. I want to get them before Christmas and then send them out. That's my idea. But the thing about them is I'm not going to get to just order a whole nother batch like right away. So if we get like a Weird Bear on December 2nd, you're going to have to wait a little while before you get your jersey. And I just want people to be clear about that because it's a big... The, being a weird bear costs a hundred of your dollars. So I want to be <laughs> right, respectful right. of that. And I want you to understand <laughs> no our limitations. <laughs> yeah. So the limitation here is if you're a weird bear, you are thinking about it. You need to go ahead and get in here yeah. so that I can get you a Jersey ordered in this first wave. Now, when will jerseys there, you know, when we get new weird bears, it will be a Jersey for you, yes. of course, yes. but if they will be ordered likely in, uh, in waves instead of, uh, you know, just like ordering an individual jersey yeah. be made each time we have a new weird. It kind of defeats so, the purpose of uh, you giving us your money if we have to spend a hundred dollars to then get you the jersey. <laughs> so we. I mean, it, it it depends, right? You know, like like I think I'd be down to go down that road, yeah, but I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I want to thank all of our patrons, and I want to ask you to please. Uh, uh, Give us a rating on our show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, it increases the visibility of the show. Uh, we've actually been doing kind of pretty decent in the rankings recently. I've seen us climb into the top 200 in some major categories recently. Whoa, if top we can, 200. If we can, hey, that's out. That's on the board. That's all I'm saying. If, you, if you're scrolling yeah. through the list, which nobody does, these are all made up points. This None of this is real. None of this is yeah. real, Nobody's- man. Nobody's looking through the leaderboards for podcasts being like, ooh, what should especially, I listen to? Especially leisure games. <laughs> leisure colon games. Yeah. Let no me see way, what the dude. hot item, hot ticket items are now. Oh, it's it's 400 RPG podcasts? Okay, cool. Um, you can also find our <laughs> website, spacecatspeacefuls.com. That's where our merch is. That's where access to our, not access, but you can find links to our Discord. Uh, you can find our Patreon to get involved with all this and our Twitter and our Facebook and all that stuff. <laughs> Baby, all right. What's uh, what what happens now? Are you what's next? Is next week a river folk guide? Do you get to do a river folk company? Are you? Ready uh, I don't that? know. I, I I think next week we need to do we're in um, that. You know what this feels like? It feels like yeah. that period of time that we were in, I don't know, probably a year ago or something, or a little bit over a year ago, where we were like, uh oh, we got to start making up episodes <laughs> each week. Like, yeah, well, well we have I'll, less of a plan going forward for the next I want to like, tease, month. I want to tease. Because I think uh, I think next week we should do 
our final tier list for base game oh, TI4. Okay. That's what I want to do. See, that's funny. I, I wasn't sure how we were going to do that, and people were asking on the Discord, and I was like, well, we're doing we're doing a theoretical tier list for POK, but someone else was like, yeah, but we need... You got to have a final say. You got to... And I, yeah. I, I think you're right, Hunter. I think next week... I think it's time for the final... Because the... The final the, base game tier list by Space... Yeah, the of official, the definitely, 100% final. You know, that that thing. That'd be like what it is, and it's it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be a final tier list. <laughs> no more tears. The tears are gone after this one, brother. It's just gonna be this last time we're gonna let you know what the what 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 is with TI four base game. Oh, also, do we uh, do we do a spoiler or that there's no spoilers anymore? The game has been spoiled, man. It's all out there. <laughs> we're done. It's literally all people have copies and have been playing POK. We don't have one, but yeah others yeah do. no we have one shut up matt we have one we both have oh, yeah, gold plated right at it. we get we get special yeah we get special treatment we're, we're not freaking, like you they kiss our butt yeah they come over and they're then they're like hey here's we we made we whittled we whittled <laughs> these pieces out of wood this is we have a whittled out of wood copy of P.O.K. that someone's grandmother made all the pieces. Imagine there's a, there's a grandma a sitting in a rocking kiss chair. mark from Dane Beltrami. He put on a big, big old slathering of lipstick and kissed right the center of Mechatol Ranch. I didn't like that part no, when I he did. came over and just put lipstick on his <laughs> lips. For we got to he watch stood him there for it about took 15, 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> he ate the stick afterwards. He literally put all over his lips that he ate it at the end. Just uh, what a what a weird guy. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. Thank you to all our patrons, and thank you to Brian Capillus for the use of his music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm.